Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. I am intentionally encouraged when I see people doing business the right way. And for the last 15 years, Damon Burton and his team at SEO National have done just that. Now you might say, Brian, what can they do for me and my business? I'm going to tell you what they can do for you. They can help you understand search engine optimization. There are a lot of players out there in the marketplace, but you want a team of people that are going to be dedicated to working with you and helping you to understand search engine optimization and how you can show up higher on search engines so that you can bring more revenue into your business. Damon and his team are full of integrity, honesty, decency, and trust. And if that's important to you and that encourages you, I would encourage you to give them a call today at 855-736-6285 or go to seonational.com and get a free quote and tell them you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Get ready for a dynamite conversation coming up right now on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. Hey, you know something? You might be listening to this podcast, and I'm going to give you a little intro. Sell more without the sleaze or cheese. I should have brought some cheese. I should have brought some cheese. That would have been a nice little intro. But here's the thing. If you are a business owner, small business owner, this is going to help you. If you're a salesperson. This is going to help you if you are someone who just not go, you know, if you're trying to help your kids sell fundraising products, as all parents do guilty, <laughs> this is going to help started you. with the band candy. In yes. School, the right? band, the band candy. <laughs> you're going to want to stake around and listen to this podcast with conference speaker, corporate and entrepreneur sales trainer, and she teaches good humans to sell. And that is my friend, Catherine Brown, joining me on the Intentional Courage Podcast. Hey, Catherine, how are you? I'm so well. I just had to say yes to this invitation to speak because you have the best podcast name ever, the Intentional Encourager. It's really, it's very um, it's poignant and meaningful. Well, it, it would have been named, you know, listen to my podcast or <laughs> Uh, you know, just listen to me ramble or something like that. But no, I appreciate that so much. And it, let's start here. We were talking about just now in the, in the intro about, you know, every parent on the, you may not realize this, but, but there are so many people on the planet that sell and they don't even realize they're selling. They don't even, you know, they're like, well, my kid's got a fundraiser. In fact, I was flying home. Last week, I was flying back from Arkansas, and the, the guy, I almost, but but my flight was kind of tight. There was a guy behind me, he had a world's famous chocolate shirt on. I guess he was a salesperson for world's famous chocolate. We sold that when I was in Little League 40 years ago. We sold chocolate candy bars. Why don't people realize that they're in sales when they're really in sales? Because of the way they define the word. And this is such a challenge for for companies and I would say for nonprofits, for recruiters, for all humans, people who love selling like to say the expression, they like to say, well, Catherine, I'm sure you'll agree with me. We're all in sales, right? And 
only people who like sales will agree with that statement. It never persuades someone who doesn't think that's true because it comes down to how you define selling. And one of the things that took me quite a while to realize, and I actually will credit social media for this, being on social audio apps, spending lots of time on LinkedIn, just listening carefully to people who are friendly competitors and, and clients and all different people, I realized that there are many definitions of what selling means. And the reason I have, as a part of a lot of my marketing, you know, no sleeves, no cheese, is that people do have an idea, one of the, not, not all, but one of the definitions of selling is, has to do with persuasion to the point of manipulation. And then you cross the line and you feel icky about it. And so we're all hypersensitive to someone doing that to us as consumers, you know, as buyers. And a lot of people define sales that way. Other people, I would give other definitions that are still not my definition, but are not, they're not bad. I would say they're, they're benign or even just things like suggesting that, you know, the, the best outcome is always to, um, to close or to yeah. evaluate, you know, success by closing. And once you, once you say, well, what if I don't like those definitions? Could there be a third way or a fourth way or a fifth way? Then you open up the possibility that you can actually reframe it for something that, that is positive. And I, I think we have the power to do that. And most people don't realize they can. So what they do is they go around it. So there are a couple of industries, for example, that they, they purposely use the term marketing when they're talking about selling as to not say selling, but that's very confusing because in a lot yeah. of other industries, those are distinct, those are distinct roles and tasks. And, but they say that because they want to be, they want to be selling in a kinder, gentler way. And so instead of tackling it and saying, oh, well, shine that, we're not going to agree with those terms. We're going to make up our own. Instead of doing that, they just go around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, here's the thing. If you have to talk around what you're doing, are you really doing something that the marketplace wants? That's mm. my thought. Mm. That would be my thought. And here's what I was thinking about when you were when you were painting that picture. And I love how mm -hmm. you you frame that. Mm. I was thinking about the person that goes to see a magician. Let's say they they go to see a magic show, and and a magician asks for a volunteer from the audience. Okay. And there are most people that just shoot their hand up immediately, like, oh, pick me, you know, I, I, I want to do this. Saw me in half, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They are the people that love the experience. And, and those are, you know, when you look at buyers, sometimes they're like, oh, yeah, those are the ones that go, oh, yes, yeah, sell me, you know. And then you have the reticent ones. And, and, and to your point about saw me in half, you, you have the, the ones that say, I don't really want to, and, and it feels like the magician picks them because they're not so willing to, to kick their shoes off and get in the box and be mm. a part of it. Mm. And, and, and that's what I think, I, I think a lot of people, and let's go here for a second, because you really, you, you and I are kind of the, on thinking on the same wavelength. And I love this because we have those buyers in sales that just love everything about the process. They love being the center of attention. Somebody's focusing on me yes. and they're trying they're they're selling me and they're they're excited. And and some people just walk into the selling process going, if you try to sell me something, I'm going to shoot you in the head. <laughs> I'm just not going to be a part of this process. And and you and it feels like well what, in that case, 
you know, a lot of the traditional sales training is, well, you have to pull that customer in, right? If they don't want to be a part of the process, just right. pull them on in here, reel them right. in. Right. Things have changed though. Yes. I think for the better too. Yeah. I think right for the better because what's happened now is, and, and you know, I've been selling for over two decades. And so for sure, when I was first trained to sell, you were supposed to show up and expect to explain a lot and that you presented a lot. And then you would get to the end of presentation. I mean, this was really modeled for me. You get to the end of your PowerPoint and you'd say, you would try to facilitate a conversation. You'd say, did, when I shared this point, how does that land with you? And do you have this problem? And there was always this idea that you would be looking for whether there was an issue to solve. Like there was that part of selling, right? but there was a lot of talking. It was a lot of presenting and assuming that you, you in your role as the seller needed to be the explainer. And what's happened now or is- Or you were the star of the show, right? It was, it was all about your presentation. It was all about what yes. you did. Yes. That was just so fascinating and captivating <laughs> that yes. they had no other reason but to just go, how do I buy this product, right? And yes, and to be fair, even if that wasn't your intent or you really had a heart to serve or you would say, you'd hear, if a person would hear what you just said and they would say, no, that's not what I meant. It's just that there's no other way for them to understand how to learn about this since they don't have a way to, they didn't have a way to learn like they can now. I mean, you would go to trade shows or you would read articles or read written case studies. But when I first started selling, if you go all the way back to my first jobs as a recruiter, I mean, I remember having a meeting with a guy that was trying to get my first job out of college. He's trying to get that tech firm to build their first website. I remember sitting in that meeting. That was in um, 1995. And they were literally saying, why would I have a website? Because at that moment in time, websites, all they were was basically the equivalent of a billboard, right? There, you didn't even schedule a meeting or have a call to action. It was, it was like a magazine ad. So when you learn to sell in that environment, you expect, you expect to have to, to teach a lot. But what I thought was so interesting the last several years, pandemic, evolution of what's expected virtually, what has to be done in business to business sales virtually. What's happened is it's ramped up all this pressure for there to be better and better and better content for marketing. And I call myself, you know, a sales professional, a sales lover who happens to be a pretty good marketer. I'm not a professional marketer, but I love that this, that this pressure in, in a good way, you know, that this opportunity has been created for marketers because what all of the big research firms are saying, Gartner and Forrester and McKinsey, I have I've read all their quotes and all yeah. of their papers that have come out and they've all said, B2B buyers wish they didn't have to deal with salespeople. They're trying to do as much as they can by themselves. You know, they they want to they want to do as much as they can online. They want to do as much homework and reading as they can before they ever talk to the rep. And I think it's a really exciting challenge because it can mean that people are more prepared when we get to talk with them. Yeah. You 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 hit you hit on something there. I started selling the same year, 1995 was when I got into sales. So I got my, I, I got out of college at Marshall University, got my first sales job in the food industry. And here I was July of 1995, walking into my first training as a salesperson, all of 22 years old, I was about to turn 23 the next month. And, and you just, you don't know what you don't know, but I love what you said there about flipping the script, right? So, so when we broke into sales, we were the experts. We were the ones that, that the customer came to for all of their knowledge. 
Now the customer, in some cases, has more knowledge on the product than the salesperson does. So, so where do we go from? Because I, I think I know. I think you know, fifty-year-old Brian knows the answer, right? You know, I know the answer to this. I, I, I know. Well, okay, this is what I would do. When you're talking to someone that that is 22, 23, my son will be 22 next month. He is go, he's the same age that I was when I started in sales. Yeah. And I think to myself, oh boy, would I love to go back and have a conversation with 23-year-old Brian and just run. Yes. So so how do you communicate and how do you 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 train and teach those new those newbies coming into sales? About, yes. Let's talk about what not to do. Let's go okay. there for a second. Let's go okay. with okay. what not to do. Because it's good for marketers too, if someone's a marketer yeah. listening. What, what we don't do is we don't assume that everything is simply about the product. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. Prices are going up by the day. We've got to find ways to increase our household revenue. Now, a couple ways you could do that is, one, you could go and ask your boss for a raise. But if that doesn't work, I've got another way for you. It's my friend Joe Hart's program called Products for Profit. Joe's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourage podcast and told his story about how learning retail arbitrage changed his life, and he's been helping thousands of people change theirs. Now, retail arbitrage is simply this. It's taking a product and buying it and then reselling it online for a higher price, and you keep the profits. And guess what? Amazon and Walmart use third-party resellers every day to fulfill their customer orders. I want you to go to productsforprofit.com or productsforprofit.carrd.co. Get connected to Joe's team. Tell them you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast and start making money today with Products for Profit. And now let's get back to more great conversation on the Intentional Encourager podcast. So whenever, whatever we learn to sell, when you first learn to sell that food, or I was first learning to describe what kind of programmers I was looking for as a recruiter, you have, there is all the technical aspect of the job. Somehow, Brian, I keep getting called by financial planners. Like I didn't set out to do that, but I've had so many financial advisors that have gone through training I do because they, they want to be more confident sellers when really in their mind, selling is a bad word. So we have to, you know, work through that. Um, they're a perfect example. There's so many exams to take. I mean, there are all these levels and all these exams. Yeah. So there's so much to learn about actually advising. And if you're going to be having the certification, the level to actually do the trades, there's people who only do the planning and meeting with people. And then there's people who also do that and execute trades. Well, that's a lot to study. So, I mean, you can be in the business for a couple of years, even, even longer before you actually get to, oh yeah, I don't actually have any sales skills. Right. And, and then you realize I need to learn that too. So there's this whole people yeah. side of it besides the technical just like marketing, the more technical the company, the more sophisticated the product, the more likely you're going to have pictures of widgets and pictures of screens of software and less language about the problem I actually saw. Yeah. <laughs> like it happens every time. I mean, it just happens every time. It's so rare to find a very complex, sophisticated product or service that actually gets this right, kind of right out of the chute because what people buy is the buyer's looking for you to solve the problem of what it's costing them in their efficiency or their time, you know, their time, or they're, um, they're looking for an opportunity to, to make a name for themselves inside the company, or they are looking for a way to become um, freer to do more strategic activities or to make a meaningful contribution inside the or company. Or give me something somebody else doesn't have. 
Right. They just, right. or competitive advantage. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So there are these softer reasons that people buy and we have to sprinkle that in when we're selling, we need to seek to understand those. And when we're, when we're writing, you know, on the marketing side, we, we need to highlight those. We don't want to do it in an, an overly, um, you know, in an, in too overt a way, because then it can look overly emotional, or especially if you're a very technically sophisticated product, you, you certainly do also need to speak about your competitive advantage that you offer technologically. What I think people misunderstand is they wait entirely too long to think about what is the added value I can provide that addresses those softer needs, you know, those more emotional reasons that people buy. And, and even, even as I say that, I don't like that expression. I don't like that I just use that because that gets to that expression. People like to say people buy emotionally, but, but you know, um, justify rationally or something yeah. like that. And yeah. it sounds like a person's not in control. Like, I don't think that's a, f I, I, sometimes that's the case, but that's not usually the case. Especially no, I, I see what you're B2B, saying. Right. It's that, it's yeah. that what we're trying to say is that there's multiple reasons a person buys. And so if now let's talk about what to do, right. Okay. Yeah. If in this day and age, my buyer can read blogs, can study all my competitors on YouTube, can read the website can watch demos online before we do one live, then it's my job to understand what they've done in terms of their research so that we that's where the, that term, the buyer's journey comes in. It's like, what work have they done so far? And then I'm dropping in, in this moment in time, once I'm understanding that, and I'm picking up the ball from there and, and taking it from there and finding out where are the gaps in your understanding? What are your goals? And making sure, in fact, that the product or service that I sell is going to help you accomplish those. And that's really a conversation. I mean, I don't work with anybody that sells something that's so transactional that it doesn't involve a consultation with a person. Yeah. Those just aren't people yeah. who hire sales trainers. If you have a completely transactional sort of thing in an e-commerce way, you wouldn't hire me because that wouldn't be a fit. But, but most of my clients sell professional services and there's actually not anything to see. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's much more esoteric. That doesn't mean there aren't real deliverables, but like getting at that problem solving conversation is actually important even sooner because you are helping them connect these greater desires to the time you're going to invest with them and helping them make that connection. And here's the thing too, some people, and I love where you're, this is so good. This is not where I thought we would go, but I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And, and again, that's where great conversation lives, right? It's it's in the the spontaneous things that we talk about. I was I was going back just for a minute and ruminating kind of on what we were talking about a few minutes ago, and I was sitting there thinking as you were talking about people being involved in the process, right? They're involved in the process and the excitement of it or the mundane of it. So I was sitting there thinking as you were talking, if if I were the magician, so to speak, and you were my lovely assistant and you were in the box, you could fake a smile and you could fake it like, I'm really enjoying this. When you're thinking to yourself, this is miserable. <laughs> and customers a lot of times are, are, are nice to salespeople and they allow us to go through the process. And, and I think about young salesperson, Brian. I'm thinking about a lot of the presentations where my customers were so nice 
and they just they just they sat through me fumbling around it had sat. to be misery for some of us yes, right exactly <laughs> and, and i'm sitting there thinking you know Catherine, if if you were my lovely assistant in the box and you could fake a smile and you're like oh yes this guy knows what he's doing and all the time you're going he's terrible and i wish the audience could see it and sometimes i love what you're taking us because buyers have become more transparent today right yes. Yes. They have become more, I know how that trick's done. You know how that trick's done. And you're not fooling me in this transaction. I am going to make sure that I get the upper hand in this transaction. So how do you, how, how do we, let's get, let's say, let's say it this way. How do we get that, that, that buyer seller relationship yes. to me, to be more arm in arm yes. instead of face to face? Because, yes. and I've told young salespeople this, I said, look, never be don't look at the perspective of your buyer from opposite directions be side by side with them be arm in arm with them yeah. so you see what they see and when you see what they see you'll understand where they're going how do we bring sales to that arm in arm instead of face to face well i think for the small business owners and people who sell for their own product or service company they have a real unique advantage. So I want to give that disclaimer because we can do whatever we want, right? I work for myself. I can do whatever yeah, I want. Exactly. And I'm really grateful for that because I'm no one is pressuring me to sell, not like a good human. No one's trying to pressure me to do that. So I want to acknowledge that sometimes people in, are in places where what I'm about to say would be difficult to implement. And if that's the case, you want to learn some sales skills and then get out of there as fast as you can, because there's plenty of people who need great salespeople and who, and, or even people who are mediocre salespeople who want to learn, <laughs> right? There's, there's, yeah. there's lots of companies that are hiring for this, this skill set that we have. And so, um, I, so my, my answer to your question is that as quickly as possible, we have to establish that it is, it's against our personal values to sell something to someone that they don't need. And it's, to me, that's part of the definition. There's like 50 answers to the question, what does it mean to sell like a good human? But one of them is, I don't sell people things that won't make their life better. I don't sell them something and talk them into something they don't need. I won't do that. As soon as they understand they can trust me, you know, then, then, then it's really an issue of, disqualifying in and out based on, am I the right person eventually or now, or am I just not the right person? Because that's basically the way that the meeting will go three ways, right? If they agree to a call with you, they've done some research, I'm either going to be, I'm the person who, um, we had a nice chat, but 12 minutes in the conversation, I realized, oh, you really need, you really needed something like this. And that's not my primary expertise. And so let me make an introduction for you. So I disqualify. We've, made a connection, but I'm going to move on as fast as I can so I can work on something that's more qualified and give you the benefit of making an introduction to someone who's a trusted resource to me. Right. So I do that as fast as I can. Yeah. I think it's the right thing to do. It's good for both of 100%, 100%. us. hundred percent. hundred percent. Right. So that's one option. And I think nobody teaches that. No one says to young salespeople, go, go, go meet adjacent companies and service providers who might be viable alternatives to you establish a friendly relationship with them, look for friendly competitors where you can like each other and understand that you have a Venn diagram where you overlap some, but you- We've always, Catherine, we always thought referring your competition was against the mortal sales laws. Oh, me too, for yeah. sure, for sure. Exactly. For sure, and, and that created so much pressure, right? Yeah. And, and so I just disqualified myself yesterday on a call. I mean, it's funny timing because 
even when I took it, he said, I followed you for a while and I think you might be able to help me with this. Do you think so? And I said, maybe. I literally said, maybe. Let's schedule a call. I scheduled the call was scheduled for 25 minutes because I just decided that we could figure out if we were going to talk again in that time or not. And I did. I knew 12 minutes in. Oh, and then my mind started thinking, is the so-and-so, is the so-and-so, or is the so-and-so? Like I started thinking about where to send him to help him because I like him and I want him to be successful and I'm not the best person. And I looked in the camera, just like I'm looking at you now. I looked in the camera and I said, I could do this and I would be okay, but this is really not my zone of excellence. Um, there are people who know more about your industry and can do more specifically what you're asking who would not have any part of winging it. So I don't think I'm the best person for you. And that felt so good. Like I felt like I was just according to my values, you know, on that. Um, back to the the three ways thing could go, that, that a meeting could go. The other option is we really are a fit, but the timing's not right. So that's a great marketing lead. And that's why I love marketing because we want to keep giving them things that make their life yeah. better and help them be successful until they're ready. Or we're going to keep talking and I'm actually going to continue qualifying you and this really might be going somewhere. If you get that first discovery call and it's, they've been following you at all it's warm at all as a lead that's probably the three things that are going to happen so once i realized oh i i number one this is only the main three things that can happen and number two i'm always going to do what i believe is in my very best interest for them it just relieves so much pressure for me and they can tell in fact even the guy i think the guy yesterday was disappointed like i think he wanted me to, i think he really wanted me to say I think that I could swing this, although it's not my zone of excellence. Um, I'd like to try. I yeah. think he was, like, I think he wanted me to say I would do it because I was so honest about it. Well, here's the thing, Catherine, you're, you're, you're getting, I love, I love where we're taking this because now my sales mind is stimulated. I, I took, you know, for, for, for a few years now, I've turned that part of my brain off and now I'm turning it back on. Uh -huh. But, but there are a lot of buyers out there that, that will love, that love to buy from people that, that sell certain products or brands or things like that, because then it gives them status as a buyer. <laughs> I bought a Cadillac. I <laughs> bought this, or I bought that. Sure. And it's a, it's more of a, it's, it's the connection of status, how it looks, than how it performs or what it does. And maybe that person that you connected with might've said, oh, I worked with Catherine Brown where, <laughs> where as, so. yeah, as, as opposed to, was it the best use of their resources and time and, and Catherine, Let's transition here to, to what you talk about in your book, how good humans sell. That's being a good human. Being a good human is being a connector and selling connectively. I, I felt like when I wrote People Buy From People, I thought my dad was teaching me about sales 27 years ago when my dad said, never forget, son, people buy from people. My dad wasn't teaching me about sales. He was teaching me about connection. <laughs> Where do you see connection in the role of how good humans sell. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think it is those referrals, like I mentioned. And then the other thing that I think would be my advice to your son or what I'd love to see people realize earlier in their professional sales career is that the more they're a student for themselves, like the more they're committed to their own personal and professional development, and then they share what they're learning, the more they build those deep roots of, of being a trusted advisor for their clients.
Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. You know dreams are powerful pieces of intentional encouragement. We all have them. If you're a business owner, you've probably always dreamed of taking your sales to levels you've never seen before. I've got a guy that can help you with that. His name is Brad Norwood. My good buddy Brad has been on the Intentional Encourager podcast as a guest before, and he is a dream specialist. His company, Dream It Pro, offers incentive packages to travel to places such as the Masters, Kentucky Derby, the Super Bowl, even exotic places that you've always wanted to take your team, but you just didn't know how to do it. Brad's your guy. And oh, by the way, Brad's a certified bucket list coach, so he can help your team members achieve their personal dreams as well. I want you to go to www.dreamitpro.com and find out more or call him directly at 479-466-6907. And by the way, tell him you heard it on the Intentional Encourage Podcast. Let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourage Podcast. So an example is really good friend of mine, client of mine. He is a financial reporting consultant. He's super, super specialized. The accounting department inside a big company is his client. And he's helping them gain efficiencies over closing the books faster, understanding what product is really profitable, et cetera. Okay. He's an introvert. He is a CPA. He is a database programmer. Can't think about all the stereotypes yeah. that come with this. He's the best connector of people and he's a lifelong learner. So he's constantly, he's the person that his clients call and say, do you know someone for HR? Do you know this? Do you know that? What's your opinion about this? Because there's going to be an article, a podcast, or a person that he's going to have as a resource. And I think it's very interesting as an extroverted very sociable person, which I am, it is so beautiful to me. Talk about an encouragement. I mean, it's just such a beautiful example of how people can add value in other people's lives and in their clients' lives when they think of themselves as, as really as a holistic advisor. Yes, my expertise happens to be, my primary expertise happens to be around sales training, but because I'm a lifelong learner, I read things about the industry that, you know, we share. I am, I am, I'm constantly learning myself and I'm constantly telling people, oh my gosh, you just mentioned this thing to me the other day when you were talking about your son and you would love this thing I just read. And I, I do that too. And that feels very human to me. I think it helps my clients and my prospects understand that thinking about them as a whole person and not with a target on their back. I'm, I'm really moving away from all the language that I was originally taught about your hit list, your target list, your pitch, right? Are you yeah. a hunter or a farmer? All that language that's frankly predatory. Mm -hmm. That's really not good human language. Now, I find myself slipping into it occasionally because I was groomed and raised on that. But I think language matters and I don't like that anymore. And I'm moving away from that. And, and I am very ambitious about how much I want to sell and how much money I want to make. It's not that I'm not closing business. I just think there's a way to do it that is better. Well, we've gotten away, Catherine, what, what's happened is, to your point, we've gotten away in sales from, from the connection between people, you know, and, and I've said this before and, I, and I'll say it here. When I think of sales, I look at it this way. I say sales is simply the connection 
of great people to great products or services through great purpose. If you don't have a purpose for selling that thing that you represent or that service you represent, if your purpose is, I believe this is going to make you better and here's why, mm -hmm. don't sell it. Mm -hmm. Just, just to your point, just walk away. But we, but we are so, we, we've been so ingrained and in tune. And, and, and when you were talking about sales training, you're right. I've heard all of those terms, hunter, farmer, gatherer, you know, I, I remember taking a sales training and I can, I, I can almost recite verbatim back to you all the, the things that 25 years ago that I sat in the sales training, but I realize it comes back down to what you just said. Mm -hmm. And that is how do we treat our buyer as a human, you know, maybe we're sitting across the table from them and they got a phone call on the way to work that morning that rocked their world. Mm -hmm. They're not all there. Mm -hmm. Maybe. And yeah. You know, maybe. I, speaking, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I was going to say it, yeah. it, it is Go. also, it is what is a, some wonderful things that came out of the challenges and the isolation of the pandemic. You remember three, three plus three years ago now when the video went viral of the guy being interviewed on CNN and his kid and then his wife came crawling across the floor trying to pull his kid out from the view of the camera. Remember that CNN interview that went viral and the whole world was laughing at them because it was so crazy and it was like nightmare home office. And it was, it was um, prophetic of what was coming that everyone in the world is going to have something like that happen. All of a sudden a cat walks across or you hear a kid cry or like we got to peek into people's homes and their lives because people, depending on where they lived, were, you know, in various levels of, of isolation and quarantine. And that human part and the common struggle part, that part was awesome. There were so many parts that were terrible, but that part, if we can keep that, Oh yeah, this is really a person who their kids sitting over there homeschooling crying too. Like that was happening all around the world at the same time. Never in our lifetime has something like that happened. And that common humanity struggle was, I think, very interesting for business and not all bad. Catherine, you're you're a hundred percent right. Because here's the thing. At at, at our core, we're we're all basically the same we love our families we want to do right by them we want it we want to provide and things like that and i was sitting there thinking as as you were talking about that i thought how many salespeople for the first time in their lives sold in their shorts and bare feet <laughs> from the waist down right because you know selling had to take place differently selling had to take place kind of like what we're doing right now in, exactly. in the fact of People had to to remember why, remembering their why and why they sold and things like that. Not to give away the, we want people to buy your book. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, that's we okay. We want people to buy but your book. No, but, it was, it's yeah. all for a greater purpose, right? You yeah. want to have purpose in what you're doing, but also, also what the pandemic did for people. And I know some people are like, don't talk about that, Catherine. People are sick of it. Well, it was a life altering event for people. And I think we really want to draw lessons and, not have everything be about the memory around those couple of years be bad. It wasn't all bad. And, and there are a lot of people who have previously had the practice and the luxury of selling face-to-face -face, 
who learned had to, had to learn to sell virtually, and they had to learn for the first time to actually listen and say, "How are you really? How are you really? How are you, you know? How are you?" Because people were sick, stuff was happening, and I think I think that part was really sweet. <laughs> no, I, I I love that, and and I'm just jotting that note down because mm -hmm. you're right having to learn to listen for the first time. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you as we close out this part of our conversation, share one piece of intentional encouragement for salespeople specifically. Oh, okay. I love sales. Okay. <laughs> I, I love too. sales. Yeah. I, I love too. sales. Why? Because learning to sell according to your values, to have improved, you know, improved, increased sales, more revenue, easier process that feels consistent with your values, investing and in learning how to do that better is a key tool to the path of everything you want. You want a flourishing life that creates opportunities for the people you love, you need to sell more. You want to have money to give, you need to sell more. You want to employ people and create meaningful work that makes a difference in lives of others in your community. You need to sell more. So I love selling because it is it is in the value chain of a flourishing, abundant, beautiful life. It is an important skill to gain. And it's not a necessary evil. It can be done with so much integrity and so much joy. And I love helping people. I'm a, an evangelist for helping people realize they can think of it differently. And when they make that switch in their brain, they have power to use it for good, not only for the people that they're selling to, but for themselves as well. And that feels very full and um, purposeful to me. I love that. I love that being an evangelist <laughs> for helping people. And, and, and the thing of it is, if you become an evangelist yourself and you can help people, it, it's, there's nothing, there's nothing better. There really is nothing better. Mm -hmm. Hey, but we've got another part behind this conversation coming for you where Catherine's going to get into her story, but you can find her on LinkedIn at Catherine Brown, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. Yes, Catherine Brown. If you're on Clubhouse, go to at Catherine Brown and you can find her on Clubhouse. But again, we've got more of this conversation coming up on the next episode, on the next part of this two-part episode of the Intentional Courage Podcast. Catherine, I can't wait for part two. Thank you for joining me today on the Intentional Courage Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you soon. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.